reminded that the casting of the dice is in the hand of the Lord, and I realized that God was trying to get the attention of the chief of sinners in my home. Welcome to Truth, Love, Parents, where we use God's Word to become intentional, premeditated parents. Here's your host, A.M. Brewster. Today's episode is going to be a shorter one, but I have to warn you, it's also going to be a harder one. As we ramp up for our holiday celebrations, I know you have a lot to do, but I believe this episode can be a very helpful way for you to prepare your mind for the season. I know that may sound a little strange, so let's jump right into our discussion of the biggest sinner in your home. Many of you will recognize the phrase, chief of sinners, comes from Paul. He never actually used those exact words, but in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said, "...the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners." of whom I'm the foremost. In the King James Version, it reads, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, Paul doesn't take any time in this passage to justify how he was the foremost sinner, but I think he gives us a glimpse into his thinking in Romans 7. This is the famous passage where Paul laments that he does the wicked things he hates and doesn't do the righteous things he loves. And in verse 23 and 24, he cries out, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But you know what? Paul wasn't the only person who saw himself this way. Consider Isaiah. In chapter 6, verse 5 of his book, Isaiah had a vision of God, and all he could say was, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In Job 42, verses 5 through 6, Job cries, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Here are a number of takeaways for us today. Number one, we should be able to understand the depths of our sin far better than we can understand the depths of another's sin. Paul knew his struggle better than he knew anyone else's. His heart stood open before him. It doesn't matter how intuitive we are, we will never understand anyone else's struggles the way we should be able to understand our own. We know every thought that passes through our minds in a day. We know where our eyes wander and our hearts stray. The problem is that we're such wretched sinners that it's easy for us to ignore our sin to focus on the faults in others. But John speaks dire words against those living in such a delusion. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, referring to God, and his word is not in us. I know how easy it is to see our terrorist child as the champion of sinners in our homes, but I don't think that's how we should look at it. Number two. It's only when we see God for who He is that we will see ourselves for who we are. One of the reasons your children don't care about their sin is they don't really care about God, but the same is true for us. I think the average professing Christian has far too high a view of himself because he has far too low a view of God. Every time in Scripture that people are confronted with the glory and majesty of God, they either reject Him or they grovel before Him. Perhaps we see ourselves as so much holier than our spouses and our children because we aren't really seeing God for who He is. I mean, even the Israelites, who would less than a month later break one of God's commands by making an idol to worship, even they were struck with awe and fear in the face of God. I think our self-ignorance stems from a very real God ignorance. Number three, 
Those who are aware of the forgiveness they've received have no problem admitting the depths of their sin and expressing the heights of their love. In Luke 7, we read of the prostitute who bathed Jesus' feet in perfume and tears and washed them with her hair. Then the self-righteous crowd around her judged Jesus for allowing her to worship him in this way. Now, stop right there. The first clue that there's a problem should be that these people were judging the Son of God. They were so convinced of their own righteousness that they believed they were holier than he. Anyway, Jesus tells them a parable and sums it up this way. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. The woman knew the depths from which she had been forgiven, and had no problem focusing solely on the relationship between herself and her Lord— The people who refused to see themselves as sinners were the only people judging others. And how did Jesus draw their attention to their heart issue? Well, he showed them their sin of refusing to worship him as they ought. Number four. Like our children, we are sinners who far too often reject God's truth. But the difference is that we've been doing it longer. (laughs) Consider this tiny point. Yes, your five-year-old and your 16-year-old are both likely very hard people with whom to live. But what about you? You see, your children may not even be born again. It may be impossible for them to please the Lord, because as Romans 8 teaches, it's impossible for enemies of God to glorify God. But even if they are born again, they've made what? A 10-year habit of worshiping self? How much longer have we been sinners? How much truth has been taught to us? How many more lessons has God had to bring into our lives? How many more consequences have we earned over how many more years? Yes, your children are sinners and they need to be addressed, but were you any different? Were you born into this world as a Christian? Was there not a long period of your life that you rebelled against him? And even when you finally submitted to his love and authority, have you not still consistently day after day sinned against him? You who know more, you who have seen more and who have experienced more of his goodness and love and forgiveness and grace, are you not more culpable than they? Yes, your children are sinners, but how much more are we simply because we're older and have been doing it longer? All right, so, number one, we should be able to understand the depths of our sin far better than we can understand the depths of another's sin. Number two, it's only when we see God for who He is that we will see ourselves for who we are. Number three, those who are aware of the forgiveness they've received have no problem admitting the depths of their sin and expressing the heights of their love. Number four, like our children, we are sinners who far too often reject God's truth. But the difference is that we've been doing it for longer. And number five, we first need to be humbled by our own transgression before we are bothered by the sins of others. In Matthew 7, Jesus challenges us with this. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yes, God does want us to help remove the specks from our children's eyes, from our spouse's eyes, but it must always start with us removing the very real logs from ours. We need to remove our sinful anger, our annoyance, our pride, our lust, and our foolish self-sufficiency. Recently, my son has been on a monopoly kick. He's been winning a lot, and he's been getting a little arrogant and unkind about it. 
So like any good father, I invited him to play with me and his sister, and if I'm being honest, part of my goal was to make sure he didn't win. (laughs) To make a long story short, I played a better game, but the rolls of the dice were not in my favor. Both of my children kept missing my hotels, but I couldn't help but land on his houses. And before you knew it, I was dying and dying fast, and I was becoming very annoyed. Now, I think I did a good job hiding it, maybe, but it didn't change the fact that there was a very real log sticking out of my eye. There I was, trying to knock my son down a notch because of his recent pride and arrogance, and yet there I was, a nearly 40-year-old man who should have had more self-control and love and patience and humility, being very unhappy that both my 11-year-old and my 9-year-old were beating me at Monopoly. And I was reminded that the casting of the dice is in the hand of the Lord. And I acknowledged that as I was trying to deal with the person who I thought was the biggest problem in the home, God was clearly trying to get the attention of the chief of sinners too. So I repented of my bad attitude, my discontentment, my ingratitude, my lack of trust, my pride, my arrogance, and then I landed on my daughter's property. Couldn't pay and was the first one out of the game. And my son went on to win. Now, was I able to help him win gracefully and lead him to an understanding of humility? Of course I was, but I believe I was only able to do it well because the log had been removed from my own eye. Dad, Mom, whoever you are listening to my voice right now, you are the chief of sinners in your home. Dad, you should be in God's word, basking in his glory, and that reality should have you on your face before him, acknowledging that you are the chief of sinners in your home. Mom, you should be bathing in the majesty of God to such a degree that you are broken over your own sin before you're broken over your children's. You should see yourself as the foremost sinner in your home. Now, was Paul really the chief of sinners? Has there never been a worse sinner than Paul? If we could tally up all the sins of all the people in your home this week, would you really be the chief? That's not the point. The point is that we should all be wrecked by our own sinfulness all of it. We should be so enamored by God's goodness and glory that we can simultaneously revel in his grandeur, but also be ashamed of our continual, though not constant, rebellion to his will for our lives. This means that in my home, I, Aaron Brewster, should see myself as the chief of sinners. My wife should see herself as the chief of sinners. My son should acknowledge that he is the chief of sinners, and my daughter should be broken by the fact that she is the chief of sinners in our home. And the moment that any of us points our fingers and self-righteously believes that we're better than someone else, we have taken our eyes off of God. We've denied the reality of our sinful hearts, and that alone should prove to us that we are, in fact, the foremost sinner in our lives. So, in closing, how might this help you prep for the holidays? Uh, I think it's clear. We will enjoy the season of worship and praise and celebrations and gatherings and tired children and too much sugar and breaks from school far more when we have a right view of who God is and an accurate view of who we are. Yes, you're going to have to do a lot of parenting, and yes, your children are going to sin, but yes, you too are also going to sin. So deal with the sin in your own life first by huddling at Jesus' feet and being overjoyed at the amazing forgiveness he offers and then go help your kids do the same. Please, share this episode with your friends. Download our free episode notes from truthloveparent.com. Join us next time as we talk about how to avoid parental burnout, and take the advice of two of our patrons, Ray and Carolyn, and check out the link below, Five Ways to Support TLP. 
Ray and Carolyn give faithfully every month. And recently, we've had a, another wonderful individual send us a gift on Giving Tuesday. We're so thankful to them. And perhaps the Lord would have you do the same. Listen, I know that it's a humbling thing to see ourselves as God sees us, but that's how it should be. Our joy and our boasting should be in Christ for His amazingness and wonder. But when we get too focused on ourselves, we lose sight of the fact that we're sinners in need of grace, and we become far too judgmental toward others. And that can very easily lead to feeling like we can't do it anymore. And you know why? Because God never called us to do it that way in the first place. So refocus your hearts and minds on the glory of God and the neediness of us. And to that end, I'll see you next time. Truth, Love, Parent is part of the Evermind Ministries family and is dedicated to helping you become an intentional, premeditated parent. Join us next time as we search God's Word for the truth your family needs today.